Front Porch Confessional, your weekly Devo podcast. My name is Jeff Gokey, and I am so happy that you have tuned in today. Welcome to episode number 86. Uh, last week, I got to take a vacation. Glory, glory. I got to take a vacation. Uh, I needed to get away and just have some time away with my family. We hung out with some of our closest friends uh, who live in Utah. Shout out to the Fox family. We love you guys. Um, we had such an amazing uh, time. We went to Encinitas Beach and it was beautiful. Got to surf, got to sit on the sand, got to relax, got to slow down, got to eat really good food and have great conversation. The kids, they've got five kids. We've got three. So it was a houseful. It was awesome. We had such a good time. But, you know, every once in a while, you just get away. You get to take a breath and slow down a little bit. So I really hope in the midst of everything you've been going through that you've gotten an opportunity to slow down at some point, maybe take a couple of days. I, I, I didn't realize how badly I needed that break. It was so, so good, so important. Hey, I uh, just want to say thanks. Uh, I know I've been opening up all these podcasts uh, recently by saying this, but I really mean it. I really appreciate all, the, all of you who are listening and supporting and sharing and posting stuff on social media. It really does um, make a difference. And it, and it really, it, it, I feel supported. I really feel cared for as um, I go do this uh, day in and day out. Uh, I really love doing it. I love being on this journey with you for so many of you. Maybe this is a tool in your belt to try to grow deeper in a relationship with Jesus. And so I really appreciate uh, all of you who have done that. Also, for those of you who have continued to support on Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com forward slash Front Porch Confessional. And you've made a donation there. Thank you so much for supporting in that way. All of it matters and all of it's a big deal. And so, again, just want to stop and say thank you. I really, really appreciate uh, our passage today. Acts seventeen twenty eight. Got to be honest. I've been waiting, waiting to do one on uh, this uh, passage. Waiting. This one for me, uh, I think I might get wound up. I, I This one, this passage for me. I've been kind of sitting on, I have a couple passages that I've been sitting on uh, for a little bit that I've been wrestling through and just waiting for a little clarity. Um, This is one of those passages uh, that I've kind of been sitting on for a little bit, waiting for a little more clarity. And so I'm really, really excited um, to be able to work through this passage. And it's Acts 17, 20a, and it's um, a, which is the first, first part of the passage. And it says this, in him, we live and move and have our being. In him, we live and move and have our being. Um, when Patty and I were first married, um, didn't have a lot of money. I, we lived in, uh, not in Oak Park, because Oak Park is really, really um, beautiful. Uh, but we lived in an area called the Chicago Island. And it was, um, it was just this little chunk of land that was kind of detached from everything else. Very bizarre. Uh, one of the more violent neighborhoods was just a couple blocks over from us. We lived in a 500 square foot uh, little apartment across the street from an elementary school. We are gunshots every night. And uh, so that was a a kind of a a bit of how we grew up. Our rent was $500 a month, which felt like $5,000 a month. Um, But it was our first place and we were grateful for it. Um, 
I started working construction. So I was, I was going to school. I used to take the train, the L train. So in Chicago, they call it the L. I used to take the L, uh, L train into school. And then my wife would have to drive me to work, uh, which I work construction. And it just wasn't working out. So we went looking for a car. We can't really afford a car, but went looking. We found uh, somebody who was a mechanic. And he bought this car. Uh, it was a, I think it was a 1985 Honda Accord quite possibly the ugliest car I've ever seen in my whole life. The bumper was ripped off. Uh, he had uh, sanded it all down, and so it was just primed. So it was primed white. It wasn't white. It was just primed white. And that little car, I drove that little car everywhere. So we live in the hood. Uh, we're doing that, and then I get my first, I graduate from college, have been my son, uh, who's turning 20 this year. Oh, my gosh. So I get this car. And I take my first uh, youth pastorate job up in Gurney, Illinois, at Emanuel Baptist Church. And um, so I, I um, I'm, you know, I'm their youth pastor. I'm their junior high youth pastor. I'm part-time junior high youth pastor. And then I'm working um, installing washing machines. That was the other job I had at Mac Gray. That was the name of it. Wow. That's a throwback. Anyway, uh, so started, uh, did that. And uh, so like the first couple events, I'm trying to figure out how to make a huge impression on the kids. You know, how do you make the, the youth group grow, you know? And so I decided for one of my events that I was going to let all the kids in the youth group paint my car with spray paint. So they spray painted. So, I, I mean, huge success. Uh, put a big tarp out on the front lawn of the church. The church must have thought I was crazy. And I was 22 years old, letting a bunch of junior high kids spray paint my car. And so they spray painted it. They wrote Jam Mobile. The name of the youth group was Jam. Uh, I think it was Jesus and Me. Uh, so Jam. So they sprayed on the doors, Jam Mobile. They painted the tires like they made like little designs on the tires. I, I, I put plastic over the windshield. This car looked like a clown car. I mean, they did like a swirl on the hood. So I would drive this thing down the road and people would honk at me. People loved that car. Everywhere I went, people were like, check that car out. Uh, look at that thing, right? For, but for those kids, that created a sense of identity. That was their car. That was their car. They were so pumped on it. They loved talking about it. They loved telling their friends that they spray painted the car. And I love that. I love that they felt like they were a part of that whole thing. I don't think my wife was too happy about it to think about it. I can't believe she's been married to me for this long. Now that I think about this story, that's kind of crazy, but they loved it. And it really started this really cool domino effect where kids felt like they could be a part of something because they were like, Hey, we got to paint the youth pastor's car. And I look back at that moment and that was a pretty special, special moment for me in my ministry career. Just letting those kids doing that and then driving that car around with that identity marked around it. This is the Jam Mobile. This is this youth group that painted it. It's their car. Paul, uh, the Apostle Paul is writing this. And Paul's at, in Mars Hill. Okay, so he's arrived on a missions trip uh, in Mars Hill. And he has the opportunity to share who the one true God is to this polytheistic society. Polytheistic means multiple gods, multiple different gods. And so Paul's, you know, uh, some of his favorite uh, famous words in Mars Hill in this section is, I can see that you're very religious. Like he can see that they're following a lot of different gods, right? And, uh, and so he gets an opportunity to tell them about the one true God. 
He does this in a way that creates a conversation, which I love, rather than just hitting them over the head with doctrine. A lot of times we look at Paul and we think, gosh, he's just bludging us. If you read through Paul, like you read through Romans and some of the other letters, you're going, wow, gosh, he just feels like he's just relentless in his pursuit of doctrine and helping us understand theology. But what we see is him being very, very intentional, practical missionary here. Uh, he's really pastoring the people and carrying them. And so this is why this passage is so important. He stands up in front of these people and he says to them about who this Jesus is who died and rose again, that it is in him that we live and we move and we have our being. These words were important then. They are incredibly important now. In that society, they worshiped a lot of other gods like I talked about. You know, for instance, like, and, but that happens today. Like in India right now, if you were to go to India, uh, India has 330 million gods. 330 million gods. Everything's a god. Everything's a god. You know, I, I can't tell you the craziest stuff that I have seen that they have said is a God. Everything's a God. 330 million gods. And we go, that's insane. That's great. Really? Really? Is it that crazy? Because in our Western culture, it is far more subtle and far more dangerous because of that. Because we would look at an Indian culture. Oh, that's crazy that they make that a God. That's insane. I can't believe. Really? We make I mean, have you seen the way we celebrate athletes? I've just started watching uh, the last, I think it's called The Last Dance, about the Chicago Bulls. And I'm watching people freak out, lose their marbles about Michael Jordan. In fact, like one of his mantras was like, be like Mike. And people were like, yep, I'm in. I was one of those kids. I bought Wheaties. I bought Wheaties, not because the cereal was delicious, but because it had the image of Michael Jordan on the front of the box. Nobody. I don't know anybody who ate Wheaties and went, that is a delicious cereal. No, no, no. The people at Wheaties says we have a garbage product, but we think we can sell a bunch of it if we can put Michael Jordan on the box. And they did. And so we have way more. We're just far more subtle about it. Right. And so Paul has some words for us. He's got some words for you. It's got some words for me. And here's what we have come to understand about the culture that we live in is that the self-help movement has created this idea that you are your own God and that you can create a world that you want to exist in. This is a part of the enlightenment. This is a part of modernity. This is a reality that we've created. This utopia, this American dream, and that, but in the midst of this, that you're a tiny little God, or that you're a God, that if you just look inside of yourself, all the things you need, all the power you need is inside of you for you to create your own destiny. It has made billions and billions of dollars for people who write these books, and it is deeply, deeply problematic and detrimental. And it's extremely detrimental. How is it that we have pursued after this mindset? And anxiety's on the rise. 
Suicide's on the rise, and you can, racism is on, you can just run. Brutality is on the rise. Discrimination is on the rise. People are polemic in the way that they're living. I mean, it's just all over the place. Look what this has created in our culture, in our world. This is why Paul is addressing it for these people at Mars Hill. But he's also for us right now. He's saying this to you and to me and to the whole world. In God, we exist as a result of who Jesus is, his death and his resurrection. We now live and move, right? God came to us, Emmanuel. He died and he rose again. In him, we exist, period. Period. But with that period, there is a purpose. You are not some random conglomeration of genetics and molecules that are climbing up some evolutionary ladder. You were created by God and you matter to God. You matter to God so much that he sent his son, Jesus to die and raise again to restore what was broken in Genesis 3 and the sin and the Garden of Eden where mankind was separated as a result of it. He loves you so much and you matter to him. And Paul's kind of like, he's doing it in a very kind way that creates conversation, but he's going like, there is no, there's no question here. All of life is all for Jesus. And as long as we act like little gods or like, like you think you're God, we will continue to run around this world trying to create purpose instead of living into the divine purpose he's created for all of us. You know, it's so interesting to me with suicide and depression and all these things are on the rise with drugs and pharmaceutical abuse at an all-time high with marriages ending with the society that we're living in why why won't we just rest and live in light of these words that Paul is saying to us in him we live and move and have our being and if we live this out in complete dependency upon God through his son, Jesus, and through the, the inspiration and the help of the spirit of God, we will then start to really find our purpose in this world. And the thing I've been working through is this, is that we will only experience our true purpose in this world if we live for the one true God. It won't happen outside of it. It doesn't matter how smart you are. It doesn't matter how much money you have. It doesn't matter how much talent you have. It won't matter. It won't. So the question is this, how have you allowed yourself to think like you are a God? How in your life have you tried to create your own destiny, your own universe? Because it's in that moment that it all starts to fall apart or it's been falling apart for a long time. And what scripture would call us all to in this is repent. 
repent. John the Baptist's call to the people is to repent for the kingdom of God is not just near, it's here. It's here. So let us be a people that repent. Father God, we submit to you as creator and father. Show us your will and your way that we may declare your glory in this world. So take a breath, reflect, and believe that the God of the universe is near to your heart. Until next time.